Greetings and welcome to episode five of the Chirping the Cats podcast. Host David Dwork here with you, and we've got a special one for you today. As joining me for this episode is Florida Panthers legendary scorer and all-around great guy Oli Okinen. Oli, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, David. It is great to have you. And before we get into all the meat and potatoes of your career, let's talk a little bit about the the team right now as it stands. One of the best rosters ever compiled in Panthers history and uh, so far you know a little bumps in the road as you'd expect under a new coach but it looks like uh, there's a foundation there for something really special well absolutely you know they uh, they definitely been building this team for last three four years I would say you know uh, that that uh, they've been adding pieces every year now and uh, now they got a uh, Paparovsky and a couple other uh, key signings you know your younger guys are a year older you know so to me they look like a playoff team and uh, you know, my my guess before the season was that uh, that uh, they would be in a conference final this year. I really like their team and uh, depth of their team now with the adding adding these uh, players like Connolly. We've been very very impressed on him. Yeah, Connolly's been great. Not only a good possession guy, but what a shot, right? Yeah, and he's type of guy that looks like um, you know he plays power play PK. He's uh, you know, you can put him in uh, first line, third line, fourth line. You know, it's just solid every every night. Solid, you know. So, as a coach, you know, you want players like that on your team that you know what to expect from them, and you know that they're gonna deliver night night in night out basis. Yeah, it's pre- pretty clear, like the kind of players that Hugh likes to have around. Like he likes to have the big bodied forwards that aren't afraid to get messy, but can you know play with a little bit of offense. And, and you see how he's building the team. Like, injuries have gone down. He's plugging in guys like Boyle. He's got Mark Pissick playing wing. He brings up Dominic Toninato when you need a guy up. And everybody is just being plugged right into the system and performing really well. Yeah, you know, with the, I've never played for the Q, but uh, play against his teams, you know. So, you know, his teams are well organized. Uh, you know, everyone knows what they're supposed to do when they go on the ice. Also, also, uh, the depth of the organization is huge, you know. So you have these guys that they can come from the minors, they can uh, be in uh, third, four line role, and somebody goes down in the uh, top lines, the guys can step in. But you can see with Q, like I think there was a game uh, a couple of weeks ago against Nashville, and uh, he's been preaching about the, in the media and everywhere that you know you gotta earn your ice time, you gotta who plays well is gonna play and all that. So it was kind of good to see. Uh, Huberdo and Danadov actually got pinched last 15 minutes of the Nashville game, you know, yep. and uh, there was other guys stepping it up and stuff like that. So that really uh, is something that that uh, coaches with the Q's reputation is willing to do. You know, he does a he has he walks in the room. The players respect him. You know he's been there. He's done that. He's he's won the Stanley Cup. So if you don't listen to him, who are you gonna listen? Right. You know. So so I think uh, the most important thing what the Panthers did this uh, off season was to hire the hire the coach, uh, respectful coach. Who's the leader of your ship? Everyone's looking up to him, and everyone knows that. Okay, this is the guy that leads us. And then the players follow. Now, the last thing I want to get into with the current team, as a guy who played center a lot in your career, you know you know a little bit about taking face-offs, and that's an area that maybe more than anywhere else at this point, the team is struggling. How how can they turn that around? How can they start to like perform better in the face-off circle? 
Well, obviously, you need all five guys. It's a cliche to say that it's not just center going against the center. You know, you you need your wingers to wingers to get in there and help and uh, you know have holdups. You know, I think there was a couple face-offs last yesterday, offensive zone face-offs. Uh, Panthers win the face-off, but Washington guys they fly and they end up getting the puck before Panthers D gets it. You know, so you needed those holdups and stuff like that and. Uh, and uh, face-offs crucial, crucial. You know, if you look at the trends in the NHL, that I think it's uh, every team. I think it was last year who made it the playoffs. Their uh, face-off percentage was over 50. It's not surprising. Yeah. And, and and like you said, it's a five-man game. Just like the defensive, you know, the Panthers are learning a new defensive system, and you want to look at focus on the defensemen in a defensive system. But no, it's all five players on the ice. And a big problem that I thought they had early on was the forwards were really not getting their assignments. The gaps were too big. We spoke about this at practice one day, and. and Lately, it's gotten better, but as you say, it, there's so much more to play in the game than just one specific guy. Yeah, it's not about, um, you know, like last year, D, struggle, whatever you hear these things and all that, you know, you defend with six players and you play offense with uh, five players. That's how it goes. And the way the league is being going, it's uh, it's not that much about the uh, if you D or forward you know f1 comes back and plays low so it's not center every time and uh, but uh you know this game is uh this game is uh played that uh you know you can uh you can uh cheat your wife cheat your friends you can do all the all the, uh, the, that kind of stuff but you cannot cheat the game game gives it back what you put in you know so you know with the panthers you know, if the forwards continue the putting the backside pressure on, that way the D can keep the gap control on, you know, so that way you defend as a unit, you know, then you're able to uh, generate the turnovers and stuff like that, what they did ye uh, yesterday, you know, and they'll be good, they'll be fine, you know, and I really like the defense actually this year, I really like that, uh, you know, they kind of have a mobile guy and then kind of stay at home guy, uh, the way the pair has been made this year and uh, you know it looks uh, looks a lot better you know and obviously with the Barkov line uh, uh, amazing to watch that line you know I just you know it's <laughs> it's uh, it's amazing you know the, the way they play and the way they work and uh, the way they that chemistry you you understand you can feel that chemistry you know you can feel that chemistry that the players know exactly uh, where the where they put the puck and where the other line mate is and all that and uh, I had maybe out of 17 years I played I probably had three three four seasons that I had unbelievable chemistry play with the same players well, now getting into your 17 year career I mean let's you know start right there that seems pretty interesting like what were some of the favorite your favorite lines that you played on uh, absolutely most favorite line it's uh, probably Joseph Stump or Gary Roberts. Wow. You know, and uh, I was on uh, basically on my prime, 26, 27, you know, play with those guys. And uh, we play a year and a half, couple of years almost. You know, then Gary got traded to uh, Pittsburgh. And then Nathan, Nathan Horton slide into that line. So I would say uh, Stumple, uh, 
Uh, Stample was one of these guys that I had unbelievable chemistry. Other guy, uh, Viktor Kaslov, uh, before Stample. So I was always a shooter on the line, kind of, uh, which is very unusual as a center. And uh, I always had a had a wing that <laughs> who loved to pass the puck, and uh, you know, with Stample, Kaslov, but uh, you know, those guys, uh, those guys, uh, I would say three, what are they called? Three hundred some goals. If you look the stats, it's probably 200 of those uh, goals is one of those two guys is assisting, which is crazy. That, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. You talked about the Panthers getting out of it, what they put into it, and that's kind of like your career. And you learned that from a really early on point after you got traded, you know what, three times in your first four years, I think it was, you know, from the Kings to the Islanders, then to the Panthers. And early on, like, you learned a couple of lessons that were pretty valuable. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, for me it was, uh, you know, I would say that uh, I was a very, very highly talented player that, uh, you know, uh, started realizing my potential when I was 15, 16, you know, start playing with the pros in Finland, uh, playing against the mans and stuff like that. Then you, then you, uh, you know, you're in this system over there that, you know, I had a Russian coach, um, when I was 15 and back in my hometown, you train four to six hours a day, every single day. It's a job. It just uh, it became a job, you know. So so basically, the coach went to the went to tell my parents that you know your kid is uh, your son is still a youth player. He's not getting paid, uh, but he's gonna train with the men's team, and if he's good enough, he'll play. But no school. <laughs> no time for the school so so my father and mother was like okay you know what let's see what happens in uh, next couple of years and if well, your dad was a coach right my dad so was he a got coach it too so and a former player so he's like okay let's see the next couple of years what happens and uh, and uh, then you go back to school if things don't work out you know to me drafted third overall going in the 97 going into LA uh, I had absolutely no idea where I was going Let's put it this way. You know, I was uh, dominating in Finland, uh, but that's a long way to be a dominant player in uh, National Hockey oh, League. Yeah. You know, so so for me, the mindset was that talent is gonna be enough. I kind of lost that uh, for a couple of summers. That kind of that work ethic and all that stuff. What I was doing, doing, you know, uh, with the teams. You know, when you sign an NHL contract, you're on your own. Yeah. You don't practice with the teams, and uh, you know, like you're on your own. Well, you're and, also thinking like I made it, like I've well, reached what my goal. Absolutely, absolutely, and you get your signing bonuses and stuff like that, and you're like, okay, life is good. I got a three-year contract. I make. I'm gonna make this, this, this. Life is good. Yeah, as you a know? teenager, three-year contract seems like forever. Forever, exactly. So as an 18-year-old, you have absolutely. I had no idea, you know. So, you know, learn the lessons. Uh, got traded. Uh, play one year with the Islanders, uh, you know, crazy year there. A uh, lot of a uh, lot of young players. Uh, NHL took the, over the over the team, and uh, you know, commercial flights. Which That's is so 1999, crazy. 2000. We 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 were only team I think in the league who was still doing the commercials. So, so you, you guys are just walking through the airport terminal like you know regular yep. passengers, just like everyone else. So it's like any giant massive and, group of yeah, passengers. And anytime if we played in Washington, example, or Boston, which is short flight, 45 minute hour, yeah. we we a couple times we left in uh, game day. 
So we skate at home. So and you do the morning skate at home? Morning skate at home and then right. uh, got in uh, Washington two o'clock in the afternoon, had a pre-game meal and day rooms. And, uh, you know, <laughs> so that way they save one extra uh, yeah, right? extra night on the hotels, you know? I'm guessing if you played the Rangers, they just uh, meet us at the garden, you know, no team bus, to, you know, yeah. just, just meet us there. Yep, pretty much. That's so <laughs> so it was a crazy year, but uh, it was a learning, learning experience year as well, you know, so... I actually end up uh, getting a good role in the team, play third line, play against other teams, uh, top guys. Uh, Butch scoring was a coach, and uh, he really emphasized the without the puck play and all that stuff, which was kind of uh, something that I really needed to work on. You know, as a young player, uh, as a young player, those are the uh, biggest weaknesses the guys have: positional play and uh, how you defend, how you check. Uh, you know got to work on those then uh, fire sale with the Islanders uh, everyone got traded I, I can't even remember how many guys they but not many so they got a new owner there and uh, obviously he wanted to add some veteran pieces and stuff like that and you know they did a great moves I think the team made it the playoffs next year Islanders you know they got Yasin they got a lot of a lot of uh, veteran players that year their rosters you know but I was happy to move on and uh, I was excited to excited to come to Florida in 2000. It's funny though, like you when you came to Florida, obviously we know how that story ends. Like you left here as the franchise leader in points, goals, assists. But when things started here, even it was a little funky because the whole thing with Terry Murray and I still love the story that you told me about uh, that. I don't know if it was your first or your second year, but when Larionov came in and he was so fed up that he just walked out on the coach in front of all the players. I mean, that, that that's the kind of shit that's crazy. Yeah, there was a lot of. Uh, a lot of crazy stuff and I actually got along with Terry and uh, Brian you know they they made a trade and uh, you know we have a lot of uh, disagreements about the uh, playing time and stuff like that early in the year yes we did but those were closed door discussions and uh, you know I I really liked actually both of those guys and uh, you know we had a veteran team the team made uh, playoffs in a year before uh, at pieces uh, and there was a lot know, of excitement. Yeah, there that was a lot of excitement. You know, we had lines where Pura, uh, Larry of Niedermeyer, I was with Koslov and uh, Ray Whitney. Then we had Mike Sillinger, uh, Scott Mellenby, uh, Marcus Nielsen in the third line as a checking line. That's a great top that's nine. A, that's a really, really solid, uh, I mean, solid just team. Your line right there, you, Koslov and Ray Whitney. Like, I'm sure Panthers fans listening just tilt their head backs like, holy crap, like, you know. Yeah, but but what happened? There was no patient. There was no patient. Uh, uh, it was uh, basically ten ten games, twelve games in. We had a meeting. I think we won one or two games, and uh, Terry kind of had a team meeting. He ripped everyone off, and uh, and <laughs> you know goes to Igor, he's like, okay, Igor, we're not in Detroit, you gotta play the Panthers hockey, you know, we gotta dump the puck in, chip the puck in, start hitting, and if you don't do that, you're not gonna play. Igor was like, all right, I left, got traded next day, the Detroit end up winning the Stanley Cup, That's you know, so, so a lot, like, <laughs> if you look at that year, you know, then two weeks later, uh, uh, Murray's got, both of them got tra uh, fired, you know, yeah. so then, uh, Dwayne, I think, uh, I think Dwayne took over the team, uh, Sutter, uh, 
Jockey Fletcher as assistant GM step in and being a GM and uh, that cra that year was uh, that yeah that year was insane you know with all the changes you had a kind of playoff team on paper and then then uh, end up having a team that wasn't that that great at the towards the end of the year you know yeah uh, that led to some even bigger changes because then Rick Dudley was hired as the GM and Mike Keenan was hired as the head coach and that was probably the biggest turning point for you because it was Keenan that got the best out of you for your career. Absolutely. Uh, you know, the, after that, my first year, the 01, 02 season started. And uh, I think uh, I think Mike, I would say he came in uh, halfway, halfway in the season, maybe. Uh, but uh, he, uh, so he came in. He, I, I think I have one goal or three points at the time when he came and uh, we had 35 games left so he basically came in and he's like you know what you got drafted third overall four years ago you know I'm gonna give you a chance to play top line minutes and we're gonna find out if all the scouts were wrong because I don't think they were wrong I think there's still something in you but you gotta do this, you gotta do that, you gotta do this, 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 this. And he was on every single day, you know, every single day. He did not left me off the hook. Wasn't there a game where like you went out and scored two goals and then he gave the whole team the day off the next day, except for you? Yeah, it was against, we play against New Jersey and uh, you know, I, I scored both goals and uh, I got a phone call like between two or three o'clock in the morning that uh, Hey, house phone. Uh, <laughs> back, then, house phone? Back, back then we had house <laughs> phones, you know, <laughs> landline. Uh, so he called and he's like, hey, uh, eight o'clock at the rink tomorrow. I'm like, what do you mean? We got day off. He's like, yeah, everyone else got the day off, but not you. I just watched the tape. I got to show you something and you need to work. So I go to the rink and uh, we had these bikes that you stick the key in and there was a program bike program in, installed in that that, that uh, memory key and uh, so he gives me the key it's like get in the bike you got one hour bike and i get in i put the key in and i can't even pedal because it's like 600 watts and i'm like <laughs> oh, there's man. no way anyone can even pedal you know so i try and then he comes five minutes after he comes and he's got his laptop on him and uh, he, he shows me this clip, uh, our defense uh, tried to make a long pass to me and uh, it came a little bit behind me on my skates. I saw the corner of my eye that Scott Stevens was coming across, you know, so I'm like, if I receive that pass, I'm in the hospital <laughs> or I just let it go and it's icing and nothing will happen. So I let it go. Uh, I don't think there was anyone in the building who even noticed that. Thing because it happens quick and stuff like that but Mike noticed it when he was watching the tape and I watched that oh. clip for 55 minutes it's the same play over same and over, play oh over and over and he let, me know, he let me know how tough I was <laughs> wow so but uh you know that was a learning learning um, kind of thing for me too kind of mindset wise that okay I had two goals uh, I thought in my head as a young player that I had a good game, but he wanted to make sure that I would not get satisfied. I think that was the biggest message with him, like with a lot of the stuff that 
he was always really hard on uh, his top guys uh, kind of pushing you out like kind of challenging you every single day but then at the same time he can yell at you and put you in uh, calls you all, all kinds all kinds of names and challenge but then when the game happens you play 20 25 minutes you know so that way you know he he had that old school way of uh, thinking and uh, you know unbelievable practices 25 35 minute practices high tempo uh, you know I can see him they're you know one of the best coaches that who play the uh, who coach the uh, game you know mm -hmm. like because you look at Philly what he did there Chicago St. Louis they always had a veteran teams you know so it was kind of different situation for Mike as well being here and uh, kind of being a rebuilding uh, yeah. program and stuff like that you know but yeah, everywhere else you went it was with the a team that was kind of ready to win yes and, I yeah, mean, the Philly because team he's kind of type of coach that if you need a shake up on the team you right. need to get rid of the coach and you need to get the guys going well, he he's, shook up a whole franchise what he did yeah. with the Rangers that yeah. one year he was there yeah uh, but amazing. Uh, you know he, he was tough but he definitely is probably most important uh, coach that I've had uh, I would say that before he came I have one foot out of the out of the league uh, being being the guy that highly talented but never reached out to his potential you know and I think with the mic he was able to squeeze that uh, my potential out of out of me and it worked for me it worked for me now an, another story that I'd like you to tell is a, a big part of uh, the maturation of your career like okay now Mike's been around now you're evolving as a player you're becoming more well-rounded of a player but now okay he's a good player on the ice let's make him a leader and it was the most ridiculous of circumstances that was the catalyst for that and it was uh, to put it you know grossly your face exploding pretty much yeah it was um, it was that same year when he came in the mi middle of the year and uh, it was maybe I would say I can't remember exactly but maybe played 15 20 games uh, under the new coaching staff you know so we had a morning skate and uh, Mike used to have this uh, back skate <laughs> at the end of the morning skate you know the morning skate was about 17 minutes long and you had that five minute back skate from uh, 14 minutes to 17 minutes it, every uh, morning skate. every every pre-game morning skate before the <laughs> game so you knew oh exactly what the practice were what are you gonna do there was no thinking uh, you didn't need to think it was the same drills same morning skate you know your legs have to be you, ready every you, morning yeah so you knew that okay this is that 17 20 minutes gotta get ready uh, gotta get ready for the tonight's game, you know. So we did that skate that uh, at the end of the practice, and uh, our assistant coach uh, George Kingston, he was behind the net in uh, in the other end, kind of pushing the net, uh, lay, like having his hands uh, top of the top of the net, and he was moving the net because we we always needed to go around the net and do circles and stuff like that. So he would pu push the net that. Uh, <laughs> change the positions and stuff like that so because ice would get chippy and stuff like that so it's my turn to go we always did the skates uh, uh, three times per guy it was my third time going uh, George thought that uh, I went by the net 
behind him already and uh, he turned he had a stick in his hand and uh, the knob uh, bottom end of the stick uh, came through my mouth basically you know I was going around him and uh, it came the left side and uh, knocked seven teeth out in my left side of my mouth end up the stick end up stopping inside of my mouth in the right side of my mouth you know so my whole right side of my right side of my mouth was uh, uh, ripped off uh, ripped off so you know uh, go to the dentist right away this is a game day we play against Boston Bruins at seven o'clock so all this thing happened 10 30 morning skate so I was probably at the dentist uh, around 11 o'clock 11 o'clock before they can start fixing my teeth, they have to stop the bleeding and do the stitches, you know? So after a hundred stitches inside of my mouth, they start counting. So I probably got a hundred, between 100, 120 stitches inside of my mouth because they needed to put my uh, uh, right side of my mouth back into place. Uh, got about 20 stitches, uh, both side of my left side of my uh, upper jaw and right side of my upper jaw. Uh, I got big lips at the beginning. You know, my my lips are pretty thick. You go, the, my lips were uh, and face was like uh, both sides. I would have a uh, baseballs. You Is know? there a picture of you floating around I anywhere? I think there there's gotta be a picture somewhere we floating find around. This. And uh, you know, because I uh, then you know they fix the teeth. Uh, whatever they can fix you know pull the teeth out and uh, the crazy thing is that I still go fixing my teeth because of that injury to still, this day to this, to this day Jeez. yes because it knocked out eight of my teeth uh, and you know so so then you have to have like temporary ones because you play uh, you don't want to make the permanent ones right. and now it's been four years after I'm done so I'm still start putting the permanent ones in slowly you know and uh, so I what happened then Mike kept calling the calling the dentist all day can he play <laughs> I need him oh I need him we, we're playing in the team I coached last year and they fired me I need to win this <laughs> game because he was in Boston in the year before so that's crazy it's not even like a, it's a it's a I have to beat this team get my guy back here pretty much oh my yeah God. so I go there. That's actually the only game ever that I didn't dress up. I went with the same clothes when I went in the morning skate. So I had shorts and t-shirts, t-shirt on, and you I go, go straight from the I dentist to the straight, rink. Straight for the dentist. So I went to the rink nine o'clock that day. Uh, injury. Went to the dentist's office at eleven. I left the dentist's office a little bit before six. I get the rink maybe 15 minutes before the warm-up. So no warm your pregame so routine is thrown nothing, out the window at this nothing, point? Nothing, nothing. So you go to the rink and you go straight to the coach's office with the dentist. And dentist is like, you know, I don't know, I don't think he should play. You know, like, look at him. And Gino looks at me and he's like, oh, it's not bad. You play. <laughs> Just tell the trainers to do that uh, jaw protection thing, that uh, plastic <laughs> thing. And I'm oh like, my. okay. Don't remember much of the game. I think we lost seven one. I had a, I, I scored a goal and uh, plus one and uh, plus one in a seven to one yeah, loss. So then we had a trade deadline. Trade deadline came up uh, maybe a month later, and 
we uh, I think we traded somebody who had a letter back then uh, and then Mike gave me the A for the rest of the year and uh, then following year when following year he named me to be a captain Keenan his impact on your career didn't really stop in Florida either did it <laughs> no no it didn't and uh, obviously with the Florida with all the uh, all the all the years here seven plus years eight years plus lockouts and stuff like that and uh, you know after the lockout after the lockout you know with the Mike was a coach you know Mike got fired as a coach totally fired you know so I look at my first four or five years in Florida I probably have five different head coaches and other ten different assistant coaches you know so in that way if you look at the franchise a lot of changes unbelievable changes actually if you look it back it's uh, it's actually insane that how anyone even stay here for that long and that time of that uh, that period of the time because there was players changing uh, getting traded coaches getting traded but the top of that Mike gets fired then we have players like you know like they're giving comments like I always remember we had this guy uh, from Czech, Jaroslav Bednar, unbelievable player. He played in LA. He came here, played for Mike, and couldn't play for Mike because Mike was all over him, you know? So then Mike got fired. Bednar goes, oh, this is the best thing what could happen to me and this team because this guy's an idiot. Two months later, season is over. Month. Uh, week after the season they announced that Mike is a new GM <laughs> <laughs> so there was actually trainers too at the time that they were carving Mike and all that and uh, basically the season was over Mike had a meeting with everyone because he was in that co that year he was a coach got fired and two months later he's a GM so he had a end of year meetings with the guys and he obviously told these other people who were ripping him up in the media that bye bye yeah. you ain't coming back you know so then you mike, mike, mike yeah you don't cross me so then mike went and uh hired chuck martin which uh under chuck i probably played best hockey in my life you know the team was organized very good coach as well uh now looking back you know i was probably didn't even realize how good that coach was you know I didn't I don't think I appreciated at the time when I played for him you know uh, because to me I was kind of used to uh, for that Keenan style hard nose style that he will communicate with you he will tell you when you do good he will tell you when you do bad then Chuck came who's not a perfect uh, communicator Chuck is a very quiet guy very analytic uh, but great game plan uh, good bench coach, you know, was able to build the lines, kept the lines together, you know, and all that. And uh, then I think uh, those first uh, first couple of years after the lockout, on paper we were playoff team. I think what really screwed up was uh, internal uh, battles with the GM and coach battling with each other. You know, all these things they affect on players, you know, because you can feel that okay the top guy who's a gm who's the boss of the coach doesn't get along you know yeah. they don't get along at all then you see oh, you can feel it that 
things are not right in the upper management. Yeah, it's you like know? when and you're at home and your parents are fighting. Like yes. you, all, you, you yeah. know what so, something's so wrong. So you know all that stuff, and uh, it's hard to, it's hard for the players. It's hard to, hard to become a playoff team or contender or anything if, uh, if all the people who works for the organization don't work towards the same goal. Yeah. You know, I think with the with Mike and Chuck was that they wanted a Mike probably wanted to fire Chuck, Chuck wanted to fire Mike, and then they were going back during each other to the owner, you know? And then uh then I guess Alan took uh Chuck's side of the things and uh you know Mike Mike got fired for the as a GM as well, you know. Then he ended up going in uh, Calgary. Yeah, and shortly after that, you popped up back in Calgary. And like talking about the coaches that you played for, you had Larry Robinson and Butch Goring early on, and then Mike, Jacques. Then you go briefly. You played for Wayne Gretzky before going back going to Calgary and you know hooking back up with uh, with Mike. But I mean, yeah, that Phoenix year actually, you know, that was uh, that was kind of you know I ask I ask for the trade, you know. Uh, when I was with the Panthers, I asked trade uh, basically a year and a half. My last, uh, I signed a four-year deal here. Uh, you had all the pieces in the place, uh, all these promises. We're gonna keep building, rebuilding, not rebuilding, building, adding pieces. I signed a four-year extension on a trade deadline, and then following summer. Everyone is gone. Everyone. Louis Louis got traded to Vancouver, you know, all that stuff and uh <clears throat> you know, it wasn't then Mike got fired. Then basically when Mike got fired I started asking uh, asking a trade because I could see that even the they kinda start getting rid of the people who yeah. Mike signed which is kind of like the players who Mike brought over and you know like if we really go back and you look at this franchise franchise with the uh, all the changes you know like now you have Dale has been the GM for how long like seven years seven years eight years David Boyle has been a GM for Nashville since day one right you know you look at they've only had two coaches i think in their whole history two coaches you know like you look at this so you have a gm and you have your scouting staff and every year you try to find players that can fit in your lineup on your needs but then you have a you change the gm every freaking year new gm comes with the new plans and new likes and all that and so so I don't like these guys because this GM got these guys, boom, get them out, you know? So it's like never-ending cycle that... Everybody's got their ev- vision. Yes, exactly. Everyone's got their vision, and probably all these guys had great visions, but they ownership never gave them time because one year, two years, that's nothing. You can't build anything with one or two years, you know? You look at Panthers now, you know, Dale's been here seven years. They've been in the playoffs once or twice. Twice, yeah. Twice. But right now, the last few years, like even though they only did that the playoffs I, in 2016, like you've got to there's there's something there's a foundation. There. There's a foundation, and I think with the now we've got to get a little bit of sidetrack. I think that one year with Rowe coming in here put us us put this yeah. team back for a couple of years. Swi- well, they was, switched the whole concept. They went to an analytical view when yes. Dale was kind of building yes. it in in a Mike way, like building with yeah. young tough players. Yeah. 
and you almost had to like hit the restart button in the middle of it pretty much yeah but going back to the topic so i got to play uh uh about 55 60 games for the best player who ever played the game wayne you know so i was excited uh excited when the trade happened and uh during the draft and phoenix wasn't during, a bad team back then no phoenix no was a we had team. a we had a good team uh good team uh even when I went there, there was like these guys like Brett Hall. There was all these older guys and uh, on the previous year that they played there, but they did not sign those guys. So what happened when I got traded over there in the summer, just before the season started, owner <laughs> lost the money as well in in Phoenix. You know, he had a he had a I can't remember what he had like an airplane company and trucking company and stuff like that and the market crashed and leak took over the team so we we had Kyle Turris, Victor Tikhanov, uh, Michael Bodger and there was two three other guys I think we had five or six 18 year olds on the team because you can count the rookie contract uh, bonuses towards the cap so, so that so way we were able floor. to get, get get over the floor. So we had a really young team, and uh, but you know, I think uh, I think until the All Star break, we were in the playoff position and stuff like that, and then hit the fan there, lost bunch of games after the after the trade deadline, and then uh, Donny Maloney, who was a GM over there, he asked us kind of like the guys who were making the big bucks that. You know what, guys, most likely I won't be able to keep all of you here because of the situation, current situation with the ownership and the uh, league wants to get rid of salaries and stuff like that, that who wants to get traded. It's cool that and they're transparent like that. Yeah, though, I like mean. Donnie was great, you know, he's, uh, he was open and honest about it and uh, he had that respect towards the older players, towards the older players and, uh, you know, he did a favor favor for me trading me the Calgary and ended up Calgary you know the one time you actually went, went to the playoffs which I know it sucks 17 years and you only yeah. went to the playoffs once but I mean I know we've talked about it you've still got those memories and you know for what it's worth I, I think you averaged more more than a point per game that series yeah and uh, you know with the with the playoffs and stuff like that it's hard to make it you know and uh, for me it was uh, probably Probably, if you look it back over all my career, uh, maybe, maybe I fucked up a little bit <laughs> signing, signing with the Panthers that extension. Uh, you know, I was 26. I could have probably picked the team. You know, 90 point season, 90 point season. I would be free agent, so I could have probably pick and go somewhere that would be guaranteed playoff but then at the same <laughs> time left. then at the same time uh, I always also believed when I played that that uh, that grass is not necessarily any greener in the uh, other side of the fence you know yeah, nothing's and, guaranteed and uh, you know for me like if you're in a team like here in uh, Panthers I didn't want to be part of the problem I wanted to be part of the solution you know yeah. I wanted to be here and I, I wanted to lead this team to the playoffs and I, I wanted to be that okay you know what 
finally this guy's you know he's a captain that he can he can lead this team that that uh who's been out of the playoffs you know but uh yeah calgary you got a taste of uh taste of playoff action and uh it's even crazy there too like i got traded there uh, uh michael sikoltz and uh daryl sutter was a gm and uh, i'm not sure how they calculate with the cap numbers and all that but uh when i went there we play lost four or five games in the regular season because we we had a couple of injuries couple of injuries we play last four or five games with uh, I think it was like 15 or 16 forwards and two goalies we could even have 18 and two roster because we could not call anyone up because of the cap cap uh, that, we were right at the cap that so seems crazy to think it, about like you just picture like a bench with like just a big gap on it yeah it's mm-hmm. insane it was insane I remember one game I play I think I play 29 minutes against Minnesota as a forward because we had only two centers were me and Damon Lankoff so we play every other every other shift the whole game you know so we were first in the division all the way until those last five games in uh, season we lost those last four or five and uh, Vancouver was able to sneak by us so Vancouver ended up finishing uh, second first in the division second in the conference and they get to play St. Louis and get the home ice. Oh, nice. uh, we end up sliding the fifth in the conference and got the uh, upcoming young uh, team that had unbelievable buzz around them, Chicago Blackhawks. First time in, who knows, 10 years, yeah. eight years making the playoffs, you know? And they went so to what, the conference final? They, they went to the conference going? final. I think they lost uh, Detroit that year in the yeah, conference final. It was Q's first year there. Yeah. So, you know, we lost first two games in Chicago, one next two in uh, Calgary, lost game three, uh, game five. It was five nothing after first, you know. Uh, Iggy told me after the season that uh, he found out that there were six, seven guys that went out uh, two nights before before the game because we went to Chicago. There was two days between the games. Between and, game uh, four and game five. Game four and five, and we went to Chicago uh, two days before the game. and. Iggy was. That's the actually the one thing what I remember from that season. End Iggy's of, Jerome end, McGinley. Yeah. Was, so <laughs> end of end of year meetings when we had and uh, Iggy was steaming over there. He could not believe that guys could not wait until end of the season or end of the series to have their fun. You know. It's disrespect. I mean, look. It is because I, because you when, when you, lo- when you look year. at the and when you look at the lineup uh, lineup what we had in Calgary. Uh, me and uh, Jordan Leopold uh, were kind of the missing pieces to go for the cup, go for the cup, and uh, it was kind of similar nice. guys. Yeah, and it was kind of nice when I went there, and uh, Sutter was saying, uh, Daryl was saying that finally we got you. We've been trying to uh, trying to get you forever because I was supposed to get traded there, uh, two thousand. When they the year before the lockout started, when they went to the finals, my agent already called me that the trade is confirmed. We gotta wait for the Panthers to Panthers to uh, confirm it. Calgary agreed the trade, and I still don't know till still don't know what happened. Why that trade didn't go through? My my guess and my agent guess at the time was that the owner owner uh, put the stop on uh, the Panthers on a, owner yeah Panthers owner Just because we weren't we weren't the, we the franchise because we were in Toronto 
we were in Toronto that trade deadline and everyone knew that there's going to be lockout coming or something's going to come. Yeah. So we had Ozolins got traded, Valpura got traded, Marcus Nielsen got traded to Calgary. I was supposed to be in that trade. Uh, Goslov got traded. We, we had six, seven guys from that lineup. And we were probably like three, four points out of the playoffs and we play actually against Toronto. They were eight. We were ninth or tenth. And right after trade deadline, we lost seven and one. But, but uh, Calgary years, unbelievable organization. Probably, probably, <coughs> probably the best organization I've played. The way they take care of the players and uh, families and uh, good group of guys. It was an older team there, older team, and uh, you know enjoyed my time. So. Finished the year there, out of playoffs, come back the next year, uh, okay, same, pretty much the same group of guys, you know. Year goes good, halfway in the season, we're top in the conference again and all that, and uh, same thing there again. Uh, we had a, Mike actually got let go after the season, Brent became a coach, Brent Sutter. Uh, so you have both Sutters running the team. Uh, we got in a losing, losing streak, and uh, I was going to be UFA and uh, Dion Fanoff. Uh, I think Dion was going to be UFA or his contract was up or something. And uh, we play, we play uh, Friday night against Edmonton. So two weeks before that game, we were second or third in the conference. Losing streak, we're eight. We're eighth place in uh, Western Conference, and uh, I'm taping a stick before the game in the stick room, and Dion comes in, and uh, he's like, let's go, we gotta go good tonight. I'm like, yeah, absolutely we need to go good tonight, because I don't think, even if we win tonight, I don't think it's gonna save both of us. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, Dion, I've been around a long time, that I got a feeling that it's either you or me or both of us because if i run the team everyone else has no trades and you need to do something you need to shake things yeah. up now because it's going the wrong direction you know and he was like well we'll see next day <laughs> next day uh we won the game next day day off dion text the game like hey i got traded to toronto <laughs> so i got called in uh uh, Sunday Sunday we had a practice in the morning I got called in the coach's office and Brent is like hey we got a Nichols Hackman coming you gotta you play with him in Florida uh, he was on the part of the trade so you're gonna play with Haggy and uh, Iginla this Sunday morning I'm like okay sounds good so we have a game Monday against Philly I go home and Sunday night <laughs> watching the TSN that Jokinen and Brandon Prost has been traded the New York Rangers for Alex Korolik and uh, and uh, Chris Higgins. So I'm like, hmm, what's going on? Nobody called me. I just had a meeting with the coach that I'm <laughs> going to play with these guys and they made a trade because they wanted to get Hackey there because of I have a, a history of playing with him and I'm like, this is weird, you know? So nobody called, nothing. All the players are like, what the hell is going on? You know, I go to the rink next day next day and both Sutters are there and they're like hey come here I'm like okay what's up like am I playing he's like has anyone 
tell you not that you're not playing <laughs> no. <laughs> i'm like no and he's like they're like don't believe what tv says and even if the tv is right trade has it's not official yet you play for this logo i'm like okay so i end up playing the game and uh, i knew after the game that i'm gonna get traded and uh, end up going uh, rangers you know so it's just so weird like i i get it like it's it, i'm sure it wasn't weird to play because like you're, you play you you know just like any other game but just the whole s- situation to think like you play for a team knowing okay this is my last game i'm getting traded after the game like you, you just don't hear about a situation like that it's no so it's uh you know in that 17 years i play there's a lot of a lot of stuff that has been happening behind the scenes like you tell these stories and people are like looking at like there's no way this happened but you know it's with the with the national hockey league uh especially when i played there was no it's it's a little different now because you have seven eight year ten year deals longer longer deals you know untradeable contracts and stuff like that uh so basically all the trades needs to be penny for penny money for money you know yeah uh, the players have a little yeah. bit more control nowadays yes, i feel a lot like. more control you know uh but end up going to New York. It was Olympic year as well, because uh, th- that was uh, it was not the trade deadline. It was an Olympic break deadline. Uh, so end up going there, play a few games before the Olympics uh, with the Rangers. Um, had a really good Olympic Olympics in Vancouver. Uh, then we went back to the New York, and uh, I was playing basically port line the rest of the year. You know. Uh, still end up i think i had 50 plus points that year uh but obviously when you've been 80 70 guy 70 point guy in the year before whatever the numbers were you know so then obviously it's a disappointment playing fourth line you're probably only so i play with the i play with the prospol and uh parento a lot pa parento vinnie prospol and then uh I would say the last 10 games I played with Eric Christensen, uh, Pierre Parento. And actually I have a funny story with the Rangers thing too, that uh, the way the season ended. Uh, so we were, there was, I think there was four games left on the season and uh, we were uh, six points behind uh, Philly. We were ninth and uh, Philly was eighth. So going in the last week, we had four games. Philly had four games, six points back. We win our game, first game. Philly loses. We're four points back. We won again. Philly loses. We're two points back. Last two games are Friday night, MSG, Rangers against Philly. That's the second last game, and the last game of the season is Philly Rangers in Philly. That's crazy. The last two games back to back. So with back to two back. points between you yes, for the last two playoffs. Points. So we we beat Philly in uh, MSG. So now you're tied. Now we're tied. So the winner winner goes in the winner playoffs. take all. Winner take all. Winner goes to playoffs. So uh, the game was, I think, is the regular regulation was one one or two two. Uh, our line did not play for last. I think we have one shift in the third period, you know, no, no, no shifts in, uh, oh. no shifts in uh, overtime. Who is the coach of the Rangers? Uh, Tortorella. Torch. Oh, God. So <laughs> Philly has a huge bench. F- 
Philly, you can put six lines of guys on the fence. It's the biggest fence in the NHL, you know? So forwards, you know, you come in the door, you start sliding, and then you have, you keep sliding, 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 and you slide all the way until the, you hit that defenseman, you know? That six defenseman who keeps sliding to the left, you know, from his door, you know? <laughs> and you end up sitting so next I'm, to each other I'm sitting right next to, I can't remember who was on my right side, who was a defenseman. Could it be Mark Stahl, I think? Uh, then my left side is uh, Parenton, uh next to Parenthus Christensen. So you have those four guys who haven't really touched the ice in last period at all and uh, overtime. So we've been sitting there for 45 minutes to 50 minutes, you know? Yeah. So then this shoot-up comes, comes in and the referee referee comes and, you know, Torch gives him the paper uh, the, who's shooting and Torch goes, uh Christensen, Jokinen are shooting. <laughs> we're looking at each other, we're like, what the hell <laughs> like the season is on the line and you put three guys to shoot who has not been on the ice has no impact on the game whatsoever <laughs> god so well what are you gonna do coach tells you the you gotta go shoot so you have two options you say that okay or you say that i'm not gonna shoot and then you're out of the league if you yeah, if that, you that's refer, not an option, if you, that's not an option you know <laughs> so so uh, you know philly philly start they score parent though score uh philly guy no call christensen no call danny prier boom goal uh of course you're going Jok- no call and season over you know and uh, obviously uh next day in the new york post uh <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty much everyone knows whose fault was it that the team didn't make the playoffs. It was our us three, mainly me, which is fine, you know, because Parento Christians were like minor league guys back then. Christians was a journeyman. Parento kind of like his first years playing it up, you know, but it kind of, you know, now looking back, it's like my family, will, my wife would get emails, death threats from Rangers fans. Uh, you know, they were saying that you got to watch your kids you know we're gonna we're gonna beat up your kids and crazy crazy insane stuff you know so actually after that day i don't think there was a game when i went to msg play against rangers that i didn't score i score there every single time after i left that team you know because i was so mad at those fans i was so mad at those because they you don't mess with a man's family no family it's it's, it's just a game you know so they took it personal obviously and uh, and for them they should be mad at the coach because to me if i will be behind the fence and you have marion gaperick you got chris drury you got ryan Callahan. You got this, this, this. You have your core group of guys that been playing for you two, three years, and that team is being built around them. So you don't book guys that who hasn't even been there for full year in that situation when the season is on the line. You know, I think Torch was uh, saying that we had the best uh, shooting percentages in the shootouts because I think I was seven and nine that that season. I only missed two. I think it was the same thing with the parent of Christians. They only missed two and three. But anyone who played this game understands that if you've been sitting on the fence for that long, that period of the time, it's not the ideal situation to go shoot, you know. But 
it was what it was. Uh, Philly actually. So if I would have scored, the shootout would have continued. So we still would not know if the Rangers right. would to make the playoffs or not. You know. So obviously the fans were like, oh, if he would have scored, we would have made it and they would have made it. Of no, and then they, we would have went to the finals. Yeah, we would have won the cup. would have continued. And then yeah. Philly, obviously, that's like pouring gasoline in the fire. Philly end up going in the finals that year against right. Chicago. You know, but everything kind of worked out good. Now, believe it or not, the conversation goes on as Ole hadn't even gotten into how his first experience as an unrestricted free agent ended up being his last, or how the best negotiator he ever worked with was his wife. I'll have the rest of my chat with Ole Jokinen on the next episode of the Chirping the Cats podcast. Until then, I'm David Zwart. Please subscribe to the podcast if you like what you hear. Uh, Give us a good rating and uh, leave your feedback. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.